0: February! Because it's the first of the month, you probably already know what that means. It is another magazine episode of the podcast. This month, we are tackling love, obviously, because of the elephant in the room, which is Valentine's Day. However, we're doing things a little differently this year. I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, I was too focused on school and also a little too awkward to ever have a date on Valentine's Day. It seemed like all my friends were able to find their partners, even if that relationship only lasted a month, and I was left on the sidelines to pep them up during the good times and be a shoulder to cry on during the bad times. So that eventually started wearing on me and I became super self-conscious about whether or not I was fit to love or be loved. And 10 years later, I'm here to tell my teenage me and your teenage yous that that is so far from the truth. Your self-worth is so not dependent on whether or not you're in a relationship. You are smart, kind, beautiful, unique, creative, and super cool. And for that reason, we're doing an extra special focus in this magazine on self-love, self-esteem, and love for family and friends. I mean, when all else fails, who else is going to be there for you but yourself? And isn't that worthy of recognition on its own? Besides, if you're lucky, life is long. You have so much time to find a soulmate, but what's most important is finding yourself. So in this episode, we're going to hear from some of the writers who appear in this month's magazine, which is available right now on Teenink.com for free. Be sure to check it out for more articles on this topic and more. The February issue also has a section on Black History Month, which we'll hear from in this episode as well, because I think this article fits in nicely with the theme of embracing who you are and where you came from. So without further ado, here is the, let me get this right, this is going to be a mouthful, the Teen Inc. podcast episode based on the Teen Inc. magazine, February Love Edition. Great. We're doing a great job. Okay. Hope you enjoy. This first article is called Camera, and it was written by Cindy Nye. As a young girl, I was never camera shy. In fact, I loved the sound of the click when the cameras flashed. Whenever my mom pulled out a camera, I would rush in front of the lens and strike a pose. As a first child, my parents had pictures of me pinned to the walls, placed over countertops, and even made into little keychains. My mom, a lover of arts and crafts, also organized my pictures inside these thick photo albums. I was a chubby child. I had plump cheeks, and when I wore t-shirts, my stomach slightly stuck out, but none of that mattered to me. I didn't care what I looked like, I just knew I liked being in the spotlight. However, those photo albums grew thinner as I progressed through middle school, and now, in high school, my mom has completely abandoned that hobby. Every time she pulls out the camera, it's the start of an argument. It goes something like this. Mom, I am telling you now for the 100th time, please do not take my picture without my permission. After making my statement, she starts lecturing me about the importance of capturing memories and always ends her argument with, You'll regret this. I nodded, but what I murmured under my breath was, "'Why can't you respect my personal opinion?' However, it was more than just a matter of personal opinion. I knew I did not like the attention of the spotlight because I was not confident in my appearance. Every time I look at a picture of myself, all I see are flaws. But at the same time, I cannot put my finger on what exactly those flaws are. All I know is that I am not tall and slim, or have desirable curves, I do not have a head of glossy hair or a face with chiseled high cheekbones. Most importantly, I do not fit into the societal standards of beauty. Because I didn't fit into these societal molds, I felt unworthy and insecure. It was not until my mom asked me one day how I would define beauty that I was at a loss for words. I did not have an answer because I had never asked myself that question. It didn't occur to me that my opinion mattered. We rarely think of beauty as something we define for ourselves. Instead, it is always about how others see me and how society deems me. From a young age, I was never one to let others dictate how I feel, but why did I let myself fall into such a trap when it came to my appearance? It is my body and my face, but I let others' voices shame me and tell me I am not good enough. My appearance was like an outer shell that hid me from the spotlight and crumbled at someone else's touch. I look at pictures of my younger self and see the smile and confidence that I lost. I realize that my mom's words that I tried desperately to battle were true. I lost moments in my life because I chose to hide behind the camera. I want to reclaim the power over my appearance. I may not fit into the societal standard of beauty, but I appreciate my body and all it has done for me. I do not need perfection because I am enough for me. article is called Stars by Sherlock Gaughan. Growing up, I always heard my grandparents say that when people died, their souls would rise and become stars in the sky, guiding us on Earth. Later, my grandpa passed away because of lung cancer, leaving my grandma alone. Since then, grandma would sit outside in the courtyard every night, gazing at the sky. There were times I would sit next to her, and she would tell stories about grandpa. Did grandpa become a star in the sky, I asked? Yes, she said, the brightest one is your grandfather. I tried to argue, but I couldn't bear to. After all, it was a delicate dream that my grandma had. Beautiful, yet unreal. Following grandma's death, my family stopped going back to their hometown and moved to the city where no stars were visible. Last year, my family took a trip to Tibetan Plateau, a high-altitude plain where the stars are bright. At night, the scattered moon dust in the sky was sparkling and shimmering, The deep blue canopy was covered with thousands of pinpricks of cold light. I noticed two glowing stars wink at me. From nowhere, melancholy started filling the empty part of my heart, taking me back to when my grandparents were sitting next to me, retelling their childhood stories. Tears streamed down my face while I stared at the stars, twinkling and dazzling, beautiful and unreal. This article is called Redefining the Headwrap, and it was written by Gabby Dubay. The headwrap has long been a part of African culture. However, when African men and women were forced to come to the United States as enslaved people, the story of this headpiece came with them. In colonial United States, this headwrap became paradoxical and representative of slavery to their white overlords, but there is much more meaning and symbolism behind this piece of personal adornment. The meaning of this head wrap can be seen in a variety of ways, depending on the time period and the culture that is wearing it. Let not the meaning and cultural value of the head wrap to African Americans fade in the light of a different group of individuals who misinterpreted their culture. The head wrap may have been seen as a sign of slavery to some, but there is a much greater value to the individuals who had them wrapped around their heads. When African American individuals were brought as slaves to the United States in the 1800s, they were not allowed to bring clothing with them. This acted as a symbol of their new lives of servitude as they are stripped from their clothing and their freedom. Therefore, clothing became a symbol of their identity as it was now something of greater value and a start to their new lives. When these African individuals arrived to the colonies, they were often separated from their families and friends. After being separated, they were sent to slave owners to be auctioned off as slaves and given new names. This created an even greater identity struggle among their cultural and personal identities. There were not many ways in which they were able to express themselves, as their clothing and shoes were all chosen and given to them. Despite this lack of freedom of expression, enslaved women still found ways to reflect their identities through personal adornment, mostly through cultural beads or head wraps that they would place on their bodies. Helen Greibel comments on these headpieces, It endured the travail of slavery and never passed out of fashion. The head wrap represents far more than a piece of fabric wound around the head. This symbolizes the way in which they put their full force into keeping the symbolic representation of the head wrap as more than just a piece of fabric. The head wrap changed the way in which women saw themselves and became a way for these enslaved people, specifically women, could reclaim their own sense of humanity. There is a long history of individuals from many cultures wearing head wraps all over the world. The African-American woman's particular style and the head wrap is presented in sub-Saharan aesthetics. Originally, the headwrap was worn by both men and women, but eventually became almost exclusively worn by women. During the 1850s, white overlords added this idea of a head covering to later stereotype these black women as mammy or an enslaved woman in a nanny role, as if they were always supposed to remain in these positions, and their headwear certified these symbols. The regulations that were put on the dress code of the enslaved African people allowed control among the white slave owners over them and the ability to diminish laws, breaking or defying uncivil acts against the law. In the colonies, racism was blatantly displayed toward African and Native American people as they treated them as though they were property and had ownership over them. White slave owners and the colonial people believed that they were superior and that individuals of other races were a subhuman and of lesser value to humanity. Therefore, it created this idea that society was to think of them as lesser beings. Selecting their own clothing or even walking around naked was accepted in these enslaved societies, while white men and women needed to be fully embellished to represent their social status. These European slave owners made them wear specific clothing as well as headpieces or head wraps as a sign of their low class and their ownership over them. In addition, slave owners also saw these as beneficial means because it kept hair out of the slave's face prevented the spread of lice and became a helpful tool overall. In addition to the slave owners attesting a social status over the head wrap within African communities, there was also a social status associated with wearing it. There are different kinds of folds and fabrics that are worn for special social and religious events that are symbolic of the individual. Descendants of these enslaved women described the head wrap as an image of courage that these women wore to represent their homeland and to bring this culture into their new land through force. The headwrap can primarily be seen from two different viewpoints, the cultural, personal, and revolutionary eyes of the African enslaved women, or the oppressive and controlling eyes of the European slave owners. The long history of how the headwrap has been displayed as a symbol of society represents its individual meaning to culture. The simple rag has served as a sense of communal and cultural identity, specific to the enslaved African people. The headwrap acquired a different kind of meaning, as a piece of courage that relates back to their African homeland, and creates a greater tie back to their culture. The women who determined the history of the head wrap created a significance to the usage in later generations. The head wrap has become a significant part of their culture as a uniform during the denial of their human rights. We should do our best to maintain the culturally symbolic definition of the head wrap in our society. Those are just a few of the articles that you can find in the February issue of Teen Ink Magazine, which, as always, is free online for Teen Ink users, and it's also free to become a Teen Ink user, so in some ways, it is a completely free magazine. And before I go, if any of you have made it to this point, thank you so much. We might be changing up the format of the podcast in a little bit. We're still working out the details, but we will keep you updated, and make sure to follow us on social media at teeninc everywhere except for Instagram, which we are at teen.inc, um, and we'll keep you updated, but for right now, this might be the last episode of this season, which is kind of sad, but it'll be onto bigger and better things in the future. So thank you so much for listening. Go check out the magazine, and I will speak to you soon. Goodbye.